Welcome to Hard Talks with Chris and Friends, where topics that are hard or will make you hard are talked about, where things get real and unfiltered. Here is your host, Christopher Velasquez. Hi, hi, you guys. Welcome back. Not that. <laughs> Just say it, Chris. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hi, you guys. Welcome back. So today I want to have a special friend on someone that does podcasts like I do. Actually, he's his podcast has been going on for a lot longer. And I'm so thankful to him because this podcast wouldn't be as good and maybe uh, out already if it wasn't for him. And it's Brandon. Welcome, Brandon, Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Chris. <laughs> How are you, Brandon? I'm doing good. I woke up like an hour ago, sleeping in during COVID and <clears throat> just having my morning coffee. So yeah, I mean, I know it's 12 in the afternoon, but you know, who cares? <laughs> I mean, girl. So to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into anything. Yeah, sure. So I'm 28 years old. Um, I live in North Hollywood, California, and I am Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. Um, I just got that title early this February, and I've been in the kink and leather scene for the past about two and a half years, maybe three. I kind of stopped counting now, um, kind of took my time getting into it, but really loving how it helped me sort of discover myself and it sort of gives me like a, a way to discover myself even more and discover more about other people. And it, it, it's really kind of turned my life around in many different ways. But, you know, we can get into that later. Yeah. What's I don't think we've ever talked about this. What's your ethnicity? Oh, I'm Mexican. Okay. Mexican-American. I mean, I was born here in the States, and my, my parents were also born here in the States. My grandparents are the ones who came here illegally when they were children, so they didn't really have a say, but yeah. Yeah, no, so th- that's and that, that's a, that's an interesting conversation because I consider myself Hispanic. Mm-hmm. My parents, um, my mom and my dad are both, well, my mom is Guatemalan and my dad's Salvadorian. My stepdad, who I grew up with, is Mexican. So it's tricky for me whenever people ask me because I come off as Mexican since I grew up with my my stepfather, which I grew up with him since like the age of two. Mm-hmm. I have like a lot of Mexican traits, but my mom and my dad are Salvadorian Central Americans, which I do have Central American, like, you know, um, Central American traits and little stuff. If I'm hanging out with Salvadorians, the little accent like starts to like It starts show. to come out, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, if you just meet me, Everybody off the bat goes, oh, you're Mexican. So it's like, I live in that weird. Yeah. You know, I have some other Guatemalan friends. And when I first came up to him, I was like, oh, yay, like a fellow Mexican. And he's like, I'm not Mexican. I'm Guatemalan. <laughs> Why does everybody think I'm Mexican? And yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, where, where I grew up at, literally everybody was Mexican or white. Like you're either white or Mexican. And uh, I just grew up in like this tiny little town, Visalia. I don't know if anybody knows where that is, but it's a small town. Um, and there's not too much going on around there. So, you know, when you come to like someplace like LA from there, like your vision of the world begins to open up a little bit more. Yeah. And, and, and LA is, 
is weird because LA is highly Mexican, but in the same time, highly Central American. So if mm-hmm. there's like places where like all you'll find is Mexicans, but then there's small and it's a small place where you'll only find Central Americans. But mm-hmm. overall, LA is a like a really Mexican deep rich city you know and and when you yeah definitely we're 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 next you know we're close to the border ish um so yeah so this is a a a tricky question um how did we meet i remember oh god you're having (laughs) you're trying to get me to remember how we met um (laughs) no 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 no. because i met uh you and not officially but i met you at your crowning (laughs) <laughs> I met you when you were get, when you you got crowned. You make it the, sound like it's the, like a royal crowning of the, the England. <laughs> I just I love to think about like the leather pageants, even though I know they're not like regular pageants. But in my head, it's just funny to fantasize them as regular pageants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your crowning. Um, so I met you. Yeah, when you ran and obviously got your title. And I was there for that. I think that's when you walked into my universe when you won your title. So after I ran, I started attending all the titles, right? Mm -hmm. And you stood out so much to me. Well, you and obviously Mr. Sister stood out so much because you guys were so authentically yourself. And, you know, sometimes when you're running or you're trying to get a title, I think you you try to project a little bit more. Well, you, you, you kind of like... I kind of know what you're saying. Um, well, first of all, I don't remember meeting anybody at my competition. No offense, because it was like a whole blur. Uh, but, you know, I think the first time that I remember encountering you was over actually the Leather Talk Zoom parties. And I was like, who is this guy? Like, he keeps showing up. He's super cool. He's super chill. And then I then I kind of heard your background story. I don't even remember how I heard it. And then that you wanted to come out with a podcast and all this stuff. And now here we are. So yeah, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that like, we didn't really get to hang out in person. And because right after that competition, the Mr. Bullet Leather competition, we hit the pandemic. But you know, I think in a mm-hmm. lot of ways to COVID- if we're going to take anything positive away from it, like it's really brought people together in different ways. Like it's really, it's made everything more intentional. You know, it's not like I, I'm now stumbling into the bar and meeting new people by chance. It's like, we're really having to be intentional about the way that we connect with each other. And because of that, I think we're getting stuff like us having this conversation right now over the podcast, the zoom parties, or people are really making a conscious decision to get to know each other more. And one good thing from that is like, I've gotten to know people from like all over the United States now on a really deep level that I probably wouldn't have had the chance to otherwise. I mean, I know, trust me, because when I ran <laughs> for um, CSW, there's been people that I've met like at other contests. And they're like, oh, I remember for you from that day. Mm-hmm. And I look at them like feeling so bad because I'm like, I barely knew what was going on <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I was on stage. So I'm so sorry and thank you. And people come up to me all the time and they're like, we liked you. And the, and, and the only way I remember a lot of the stuff, even of the stuff that I said on stage was because they're like, oh, you were so funny when you did this or when you said this. And I'm like, I'm like oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's you all the time though you have like this <laughs> kind of uh but yeah going going back to like your your statement a little bit earlier about like you know when you're running how you said you know myself and mr sister seem the most genuine to you you know it didn't start off that way because i mean i've always tried to be myself especially in front of a crowd but 
I wasn't quite sure what to expect during the leather competition. And I remember going out with my friend Tomek for dinner and I was kind of sharing with him my speech. And I was saying like, you know, these are some of the questions that they might ask. Maybe you can ask them to me. And like just after the first question, he goes, and I love Tomek. If he ever listens to this episode, he'll laugh because he kind of has like this, I always... I say he has like this gay voice. He he gets even more campy like around me and his other friends, but he's like, you know, it's like not really that authentic. Like you really just, just be yourself. And I was like, okay. And he's like, that's what they're looking for. And so I reevaluated the way I was going to answer. I wanted to answer the questions mm-hmm. in the way that I thought that the judges wanted to hear the answers. And then I realized at the end of the day, you know what? I'm not doing this for them. I'm not doing this for anybody else. I'm doing this for me. This is a huge step in my journey and was never about like winning for me, but it was just about like, this is just the next step in my path to leather and and to discovering myself. And if I win, great. If not, this will be a huge stepping stone for me no matter what. Yeah. um, And and I, and I had the same, you know, the same situation Um, when I was getting ready, someone kind of said like, you know, because I was like, you know, I, I kept asking people that I knew, like, you know, give me some advice. You know, you guys were on it. You guys already went through this or, you know, you guys won or whatever. Someone told me, like, you know, just try to, like, butch it up a little bit. <laughs> and and at the moment, I was yeah. like, what like, what does that even mean? Like, I feel. Yeah, no, someone actually told me if you can make your voice deeper a little bit, that would that would help you. And I thought. I'm not making my voice deeper. I spent mm-hmm. my whole life being insecure about my voice. I'm not about to start to go back in the closet now. They don't know my history, and I'm sure they were trying to help, but I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah, and and I remember, yeah, like you said, like that was that, and I was like, no, like that's that's not who I am. I'm someone that is in between, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there's those moments where like I'll butch it up, and I'm like any other man, quote unquote. But there's times where I like to femme it up, and we're like. I will, you know, I will throw sis and I call myself girl all the time. And, and even talking to you, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, girl this, girl this. But, you know, so I, I live in this in-between. And if they want to see who the real me is and who the, who the person that's going to carry this title for the next year, that's me. So I'm not going to act like this. And I remember yeah. even after, you know, when I lost, someone was like, oh, you know, you should have made less gay jokes or like less femi jokes and less this. And so that's why it like, it was such a powerful thing to see you and Mr. Sister just be so authentically your guys' self and mm-hmm. not even trying to like, you know, deepen your voice or do anything to change who you are. And you guys still won. For me, that was so powerful because that, that just sets a precedence. Yeah, it sets a precedent. And also... I think that confidence comes with from within. And if you're going to like try to pretend to be somebody else and that's not you, then your confidence is not going to shine through. And I think that's probably what you saw was that I was, I'm comfortable in my own skin, you know, and I can't say that that was me for my entire life. It's maybe only been since I was like 19 or 20 years old that I began to become more comfortable in my own skin. And I'm like, you know, if, if the judges want to see confidence, they're going to get confidence, but it might not be in the way that they wanted or they thought, you know, they wanted to see it. And that's okay too. Like at the the end of the day, I said, you know, like I said before, it wasn't about winning for me. This was just the next step. The idea that we get confidence, you know, I think confidence is something that stays Mm -hmm. and goes and it comes by stages. Like I 
before all this, <laughs> I had high confidence. I was feeling the best. I was, even though, you know, I lost my title, but I, I was so embraced by the community and I made so many new friendships and all these new connections. And I was feeling good about myself. I was in a good place mentally and physically and everything, right? But, and, and you mm. and me have talked about this towards the, like, what, the third week or fourth week of quarantine, I had, like, this giant just fall of my confidence. Like, I was not being social. Mm. I was feeling lonely. My body is not where I want it to be. And it's one of those things where I feel like we're always trying to work on our confidence and it comes and it goes, you know? So at that moment you had such a strong confidence and it, and yeah, like I said, it, it really grabbed my attention. So, but tell us, tell us a little bit more about your title. Yeah. So Mr. Bullet Leather is a bar title. And the reason why I ran for Mr. Bullet, well, actually, let me go back and tell you like a little bit of a story. So when I first came to the LA, greater LA area, I came to to Northridge because that's where I went to school, CSU Northridge. And I found this cute ass gay bar. I love it so much. I know so many people don't like it, but I love it. It's called Sea Friends. (laughs) My favorite bar. It's not a leather bar by any means, but like I, it's an it's another gay cheers. Like you walk in there, everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day, you know, going in there and I went, <laughs> it was like the first time I had topped anybody. And I'm like, I was, I topped someone like right after I walked in there and the bartender knew me and he goes, what? I never expected <laughs> that from you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we just had that kind of banter. And that's where I really began to like find gay, gay friends and, and make gay friends and meet people in the community. And that's, I I lived just down the street from the bar. So it was really my watering hole for like maybe three, four, five years even until I moved to North Hollywood and the bullet sort of became my home after that. So anyways, all of that's to say, you know, at the bullet, uh, you know, the first time I walked in there, I was like, man, this is kind of like raunchy and dirty. And then I was like, I kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I remember the first time I went there, I asked the bartender, I don't even remember who it was, but I was like, is there like a shirtless discount? Like, I'm such an exhibitionist. I was like, if I can get some eyes on me, um, like, I don't need any other attention than that. And he's like, sure, but you have to keep your shirt off the whole time. I'm like, great. Love this bar already, you know. Um, And I kept coming back. And I honestly didn't know there was leather tied to it at all until I started getting more interested in the in the leather scene. And then one day I, I remember being in the back patio and I looked up and I saw a leather pride flag and I thought, oh, fuck, is this a leather space too? I, then I started noticing things like the title holders, pictures on the wall and and then I realized, you know, the the guy in the vest, Andrew, uh, AJ, Mr. Uh, Bullet Leather 2017, when he would come in with his vest, I, I started noticing, you know, that it said he was Mr. Bullet Leather. And I'm like, oh, wow, like, how serendipitous that I walked into a space and really found my home here. And as I'm starting to become more part of leather, or more, more exploring leather, this is already set up for me. You know, it's already here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, long story short, I really kind of went out for my first time to the Eagle because I, you know, this is before I realized that the bullet had any leather tied to it. And that's where I went out for my first time and experienced like a real like leather bar situation over there. And I just remember 
I stumbled in because I was drunk and I was like, I shouldn't be driving home. Maybe I should stop at the closest gay bar. Let's stop at this random bar called the Eagle. <laughs> I should not drive home, but let me stop at another bar. <laughs> I thought you'd all have some soda or something. Hang out for <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I just did it, you know. So anyway, so I get in there. <laughs> there was, uh, I've never seen another night like this ever before or ever again, really. And I think part of the reason was it was like my first time coming into a leather bar like this. But everybody was in like full on leather, like head to toe. There were guys in their full on uniforms with Sam Browns. There were guys in jock straps with a harness. I remember seeing men three-way men kissing. It was just so hot to me. And just something stirred in me like this, something that I felt was always there, but finally found a place to come out at. And I'm sitting there in my like, you know, preppy boy button up shirt coming from West Hollywood, you know, cause that's where I was earlier. That's all I knew. And, and I was like, I need to get on this. This is crazy. And later on that weekend, I had planned to go to San Francisco anyways. And I already knew Mr. S kind of existed. That's where I got my first harness. And when I put it on, I was just floored. I was like, wow, this is, this just feels right. Yeah. And that's what kind of started my journey. Then was Mr. Bullet your first title you ran for? Yeah. Um, you know, one day I came... Uh, they, I really, I really enjoy the Eagle, but like I said, the, the bullet has always been kind of like my home. So, and one day I went out to the Eagle for a, a leather event. Cause I think it was, they were having like um meat rack night or something. And any chance I can get in full leather, I'll, I will. So I got all, you know, decked out in my gear and stuff, went out to the Eagle and I thought, you know, I'll stop by um, the bullet before I get, come home and I've been thinking about running for like the last year and I hadn't really said anything to anybody until that weekend. I thought, God, I, one of these days I really want to run. And I remember telling my friend Angela this and she goes, well, isn't the competition coming up like next month? Why don't you run now? Like, why would you wait? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'll just, maybe I should just wait. I don't know. And she's like, why? Why Why are you waiting? You've already been thinking about this for like a year, you're saying. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Well, whatever. And I kind of decided against it that I would just wait. And anyways, later that night when I got to the bullet, I was in my full leather. And the bar owner, Michael Lara, saw me. And he like locked eyes with me. And if anybody knows Michael, I think he's like a man of very few words. And some pe- a lot of people misread him, um, but he just has like this very stern look on him, but he's a total sweetheart. He locked eyes with me and said, you should run for Mr. Bullet Leather. And I was like, what? You Like, you even know I exist? <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, you look great in your leather. Like, you should run, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, when is it? And he's like, next month. And I'm like, okay, I'll consider it. And I got home that night. And I'm like, you know what, this is destiny. Like, that's where yeah. I kind of came to the decision where if I win, I win great. If I don't, if I don't run, I will regret it for the rest of my life. Because this is just the universe telling me, you just got to go for it. That is so funny, because the same kind of thing happened to me. I was at fault line. And the winner was there from the year before. 
And he was just saying, you know, um, I'm here. If anybody would would like to, you know, sign up for Mr. C, uh, for Mr. CSW, and kind of told us what it was about. Mm-hmm. And he was walking around, and and he looked at me, and he was like, "Mind you, I I was there for my friend's drag competition, mm-hmm. so I was hanging out around a whole bunch of drag queens. But I was in a leather harness, and all black was my leather. Wait, harness. this is at Fault Line. This is at Fault okay. Line. And he like walked past me. You know, I was there with a guy I was talking at the time. And I was like, I should run for like a leather title. Like that would be like, that would be interesting. Right. And mind you, I was a little drunk. So, you know, she, she felt like she was on the top of the world, (laughs) (laughs) especially having my friend on stage running for a title. I was like, well, you know, (laughs) (laughs) me too. And so, you know, he passed by like twice. And then at the third time he looked at me and he's like, you look good in your leather. Kind of the same thing. And I signed up. I was drunk. I signed up and everything. So then he hit me up, I think, two two or three, yeah, two months before the competition. And we talked about it again. But by this time, I was already thinking about it for the last three months. And I, I kept psyching myself out. And I kept going like, yeah. no, like, you know, all of these things and all the, you know, you always come up with a thousand reasons why you shouldn't do it. Um, but in the same time, I looked into CSW and right. I, you know, I, LA Pride did so much for me and it was where I was able to find myself and even find my identity within the leather community because of LA Pride that it, like, I had so many connections to it that it, it kind of was mm-hmm. like a shoe in. Do you get me? Maybe I think a month before he goes, you know, you need to turn in the application. Right. <laughs> like, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And I just was like, you know what, let's do this. And that same day when he told me that, I bumped into Mr. SoCal, which him and me are really good friends. And he was like, I'm going to be a den daddy for CSW. So let me know if you are going to run because we talked about it. He was like, I really, really think you should do it. And it was one of those things I got home and just filled everything out, did everything I had to do and sent it. Because it just felt like the universe was talking to me. Now, let me, let me tell because like you said, our, our stories are kind of similar. And I know, obviously, you probably wanted to, to win, but were you prepared to not win no. as you were going into it? No. Hmm. Um, I think, and this is the thing, for me, it was such a community thing. I had Susia. He was helping me. Mm-hmm. He was Mr. Faultline. I had Eric, Mr. SoCal. You know, being my den daddy too. Reach LA, Miguel was helping me. He he actually gave me my full formal. And I was getting mentored by so many of them. Does that make sense? And they're like winners and, and they're people that I felt like I was getting so much good in. And mind you, I have delusion. Because <laughs> <laughs> so you just felt like you were you were you just really set up well, really, for this competition. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. The only person that could get in my way was myself. That's how I felt. And I honestly was trying 100% my best. And mind you, I didn't know my competition. <laughs> if, I, if I would have known Brandon, who I was running against, I would have known. <laughs> I would have known. Well, here's the other thing, too. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of us that have done sports or whatever, I, I've done a lot of competitions not related to leather. Uh, I, mm. I'm a violinist. I grew up doing violin competitions and music competitions and scholarship competitions. I've been performing my whole life. And I always know 
you know, my teacher, one of my best teachers always told me, uh, you know, I was like playing violin one once for him preparing for a competition. And I played it technically well, I played everything spot on in our lesson. And he told me halfway through, you know, the the A section and, and this measure, blah, 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 when it comes back. And I'm like, yeah, and he goes, I could tell you were not very secure in yourself at that section. Why not? And I thought, how did you know that? That's a, that's one of the hardest sections for me, but I know I played it well. And he's like, I could tell in your confidence. And there's so much that comes through in a performance that you can't go back. You can't go back. Like once you perform, there's no going back. So why not just be confident in whatever you put out there, even if there's a mistake? So yes, I ran as if I was going to win because I felt like that was the only way to do it. And as, as someone that has done sports and... Um, I was in swimming and, and I did other stuff like that and a performer. I always perform as I'm going to win. So how did you feel when you didn't win? Um, I obviously going through the motion that night. Um, I mean, there was a point where I knew top two. <laughs> I knew top two. It was me and, you know. So there was a moment where I knew it was up in the air, but I knew that for sure knowing his answers, knowing how well he was doing. I knew that maybe if by like some way the points would be on my side, <laughs> like I would get some extra points somewhere I would win. But I, I, I you know, you, you get that feeling where, you know, you're like, he's killing it. And, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got runner up, right? I got really, I got runner so up. So, how did you feel when they announced the runner up? Was it like defeat or was it accomplishment? Honestly, she's such a blonde. Um, I was lost <laughs> for a second because <laughs> I really, I don't, I don't remember if I heard. <laughs> I, I think I was so caught in the moment, and I mean, you probably had the same thing. Everything just stops, and everything just becomes noise at that yeah. point especially when they're like about to announce something, it just all becomes noise. Yeah, and I was straight looking at one of my friends and, and at Eric, and their faces told me what happened before I was even able to register. Mm, yeah, yeah. So my friend's natural reaction was to look at me and say, smile. <laughs> yeah. And that's all I saw. And then I saw Eric's face and Eric looked into my soul and I felt like was like, you tried your best, <laughs> good job. And then looked at, obviously looked at the winner. But that's how I realized, even I think if you watch the video, you kind of see like, it took me like a second to even react. I mean, I smiled and I, and I was happy. Obviously it was like happy, right? But that was like the first emotions. It took me maybe like a good, I want to say like 15 seconds after for it to all like just set in. And then I was honestly hurt. <laughs> like I, I felt like my world fell on top of me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously you had the opposite. <laughs> well, you know, I have a question for you, but I'll tell you how my experience went uh, first since we're kind of on, on this subject. But we got up there and... Uh, I don't know if you remember the other competitors, but I just thought, like, there's absolutely no way I have any points, like any, like anything in this competition. Like at after the interviews, I was like, all right, hard part's over. Let, let's just have fun. Like, no way I'm going to win. And, um, you know, I thought maybe there's a chance 
Because I, I did, I did give it my best. I did give it my all. I did. I was a, as authentic as I could be, and I thought, well, that's all that I can do. All I can do is all that I can do. So let's not have any expectations, because I just don't want to be disappointed, you know. And I made some great friends through the process. The other contestants were incredible. I don't know if they felt the same way, but I felt like we were competing together for something that was going to represent the community. I didn't really feel like we were like in a boxing match or anything. Like we were having a good time back there. And I remember they announced the runner up and I was confused. I was like, runner up? What? Like he he was <laughs> he was the guy in my mind that would have won. And I'm like, okay, well, if it's not him, who the hell could it be? And I start like thinking oh about <laughs> the answers between the other two contestants. And I'm like, hmm, like it's a whole mystery. Like, I have no idea. God, it's so close. And then they're like, contestant number three, Brandon. And I was like, what? What the fuck? Did, are they asking me to move my car or something? <laughs> like, and I was like, no fucking way. Are you kidding me? I saw my friend's face and they just screamed. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening right now. I really thought it was like a dream. But time feels so slow. Yeah. Like it just, you, I, I remember having a conversation with myself. That's how slow time just feels at that moment. I, I think if, no matter if you win or if you get stuck a runner up, it just, everything takes like a moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Like you said, having a conversation with yourself all of that conversation in my head was like, who the fuck won? Let me go back into my mind with these questions that happened within a matter of like 10 seconds. And it felt like a minute. I was like debating in my head, like, what the heck? But, you know, now here we are. And my question to you was going to be, one, did you have a mission or a platform in mind as you were competing for what you would do if you got the title? And two, do you think that you can still do those things even though you don't have the title currently? So yes, so my mission is, and it's basically the mission of this podcast, is just to close that bridge between, because, you know, mm -hmm. we are part of the leather community, which is part of the LGBT community. But to me, sometimes it feels like the leather community and, you know, the West Hollywood community or, you know, whatever name we put to that community, they feel so far from each other. And like, there's a big bridge between them. Why I love the CSW was because I feel like they are kind of that bridge. They bring, you know, right. LA pride, but they have leather within it, you know, and there's a kink area and then there's, and there's that education side of it. And I feel like, within both sides because if you go to like the weho queens and you know you talk about the leather people they always be like oh well the leather people are like this or they're this way this way you know and i got the same thing when i started hanging out with the leather people they're like oh you're from west hollywood oh the west hollywood people are this type of people yeah like they act this type of way we don't like them because of these which is funny thing you hear both sides say the same thing about each other Someone that, that has connection to both sides, connect them and show people that it's that we're not different. <laughs> the West Hollywood people are the same as the leather people. The same things that we complain about in the leather community are the same things right, that people right. in, in the West Hollywood crowd community complain about. 
So yeah, no, I definitely think there's something to be said about that. I'm totally guilty of it too. You'll hear on my podcast, you know, I'll, I'll always make it's just an easy comparison, really, to to say the Abbey or the WeHo bars versus the leather bars. And at the end of the day, yeah, we're we're all people, and mm-hmm. we're all part of this spectrum. And somebody, I think it was uh, Teddy, he's a drag queen over at the Bullet, and he was kind of talking about, and he'll probably correct me if I'm. <laughs> Sorry, Teddy, if I get this wrong, but I remember sitting at the bar and he was kind of saying that the whole gay community is really like a diamond and like every side and cut and color to that diamond is a side of the leather community. And that's what makes it so beautiful. We have drag queens, we have the WeHo people, we have Mm -hmm. leather people and that we're all part of the same gem and to stop trying to separate everybody and and segregate, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Well, to me, and I think I've said this, it's we're all outsiders at the end of the day. We're all the outsiders. We're all the people. It doesn't matter if you're in leather or you're in full faggotry to its highest. Um, (laughs) people. Full faggotry to its highest? I love that. (laughs) I need a t-shirt that says that from you, Chris. (laughs) Um, Straight people will always look at us like we don't belong. So why fight within each other when we could help each other push against that homophobia, push against the ignorance of it all, right? And as human beings, we're not born knowing everything. So not only because I'm gay and uh, a West Hollywood queen, I'm going to know everything that has to do with leather, right? And not only because you're in leather, you're going to know everything that has to do with, uh, I don't know, a WeHo queen, right? So what we need to do is educate each other. And if we can't educate each other within the gay community, how do we expect to... To educate people outside of the LGBT community. Yeah, or or get any respect from Yeah, that's really deep that you said that. If we can't communicate with each other and educate each other, how are we going to communicate and educate people outside of our community? Mm -hmm. That's really awesome, Chris. I I don't think I've ever heard it put that way before. That that is on the basis that I ran on. (laughs) And I I probably now, Mm -hmm. I'm saying it more eloquently than I said it that day because of, you know, it takes a while to find your voice. And you know what? Joe, um, Joe is the one that won. Joe had his voice already. And he's had years running for CSW and being part of the leather community. And he honestly was the right person at the right time. And thanks to me attending all these title contests and meeting all these people, find my voice more. Well, a little something about about Joe. Um, well, one, I've always kind of had like a little secret crush on Joe. He's such a cute. Um, he is. And I remember seeing him at the Eagle with his title because he's when was the competition? It was like earlier in, in 2019, right? It is. It, it's um, it's in September, I want to say. Okay, so he was walking around for a few months, you know, in his tie. And when I decided, oh, I'm going to run this is now like, what, six months or something later, five, six months. And and so he was the first person that I reached out to and asked for his advice. I'm like, what are you, what's been your experience with running for competitions? And like one of the things that he told me was just like, look, when it's not a big deal. He's like, I ran, I think it was five times before he won a title. Mm-hmm. And I was like, very humbled by that advice. It was like, wow, you wanted this so much. You ran five times. That's five years of preparing for a competition. So much respect right there. And so, Chris, this may have been your first, I don't know if it's your first or second time running, but I mean... It was my first. Okay, so you have four more to go. (laughs) No, 
no, no, no, no, no. I mean, until, until you can really complain, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, yeah, I get it. No. Um, and trust me, it, I understand that. I'm not even going to lie. After I lost, I was like, never again. I'm not even going back to the leather community. You guys don't deserve me. Don't <laughs> yeah, deserve a little temper tantrum in the corner there. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, you know, um, again, Eric dragged me out of that and was like, people are asking for you. People were hitting me up. I mean, like it happens after you run for a title, you get all these friends requests on Facebook and on Instagram and people just all of a sudden, you know, know who you are. And I kept getting messages of like, where are you? You did so good. And that was the feedback I got in, you know, you did so good. You know, if it wasn't for Joe, who was so experienced, you would have, you know, you were a shoe in. So it was one of those things where like, and back to that confidence, building that confidence up, it took me a couple times and I, and Eric dragged me to like, I think my first competition back was the pup competition. And he dragged me out there because he mm-hmm. was just like, no, you have to, it's LA pup, just LA pup. And he dragged me back there and he was like, no, he's like, we're going to get you ready for next year. And the first step is you going to every single competition and learning from all these people running. Absolutely. And and to not let it stop you in your mission because you're doing it now. I mean, mm-hmm. and taking those steps forward, it gives you even more ammunition, I guess you could say, in your next competition to say like, look, I didn't win last year, but I didn't let that stop me in my mission with the community. This is what I've been doing and I'm going to further implement this no matter what. And like to show that you're not going to stop no matter what. I personally don't think that anyone really needs a title to do thing, the things that they mm-hmm. want to do. It helps. It definitely helps. I would have been doing this podcast on my, you know, my, my podcast anyways. I was already recording episodes before this whole, before I even was thinking about the competition. I was already putting down topics who I wanted to interview because this was just something that I wanted to do. And obviously the podcast took off a lot quicker than I thought it would. And that's partly because of the fact that I do hold a title now. So yes, it does help, but like it's, it shouldn't stop you, you know? Yeah. Well, great thing that you brought up your podcast. Look at you and your good subways. <laughs> Hello, you guys. It's Chris from the future. <laughs> um, I am going to put a pause on this episode right here. Me and Brandon had a great conversation and it's running a little long. So I'm going to do this as a two-parter. This first part, we got to know a little bit about our leather backgrounds and our um, and us running for leather titles. Him winning, me obviously getting second place. But the second part, we get into talking more about his podcast and why we love podcasting so much. So I did want to make sure that you guys enjoyed them and they're not too long of an episode so come back for the second part that will be next week and i hope you guys are enjoying these podcasts remember to follow my instagram i will be having a question and answer podcast very soon so follow my instagram to make sure you guys could leave your questions it'll be having the usual ending where you can find his instagram and all of that jazz thank you for listening and back to the show where can people find you if they if they want to hear more of you 
Yeah, if you want to um, find me on social media, you can find me at Leather Talk Mr. Bullet on Instagram and Leather Talk Mr. Bullet on Patreon. You can find my podcast on Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher, all the podcast platforms just by typing in Leather Talk and you'll see my little logo. It'll be called Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. And, um, you know, I on the Patreon, I actually post some bonus episodes. So the the podcast itself that gets aired on the podcast platforms every Tuesday, those are reserved for personal stories. And then I, on the Patreon, this is a way that I monetize the the podcast. If you give like three bucks a month or five bucks a month or whatever you want, you actually get a lot of access to some extra materials. So I just recorded, um, you know, an episode about diaper fetish, an episode about fisting, an episode about sounding. We're recording one later today about pissing. Um, so different topics within the fetish kink community. So, you know, go ahead and find me there if you can. Um, I try to respond to all of the messages that I get, you know, when I can. Um, and, you know, while we're still in quarantine, every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have a Zoom party where it's sort of like a release party for the next episode. You get to engage with the guest of the show that week, and we all get to hang out in our gear and leather. Now, all of my content is 18 years and older. So if you're younger than 18, I'm sorry. Um, but this is all kind of adult content. So I just want to make sure that I put that out there as a little disclaimer. And there's for sure a lot of adult things happening. Um, you yes. you might catch me there. Yeah. And if you do, please don't look at me in the eyes because I'm going to not be proud of what I'm doing. <laughs> this probably won't be in the shot. <laughs> I mean, there'll be shots. For sure, a lot of shots. <laughs> And not tequila shots for anybody trying to think that there's alcohol shots. It's the other type of shot. Um, we really put the hard talks. <laughs> and it's more hard than talk. Right. More <laughs> there's hard. more hard than talk. <laughs> but thank you so much again. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thank you. So remember to like, subscribe, leave a comment. You can follow me on Instagram at Chris Diva, and you can follow the pod as Hard Talks with Chris. And I want to give a special thanks to Jamison for letting me borrow his song Fuckable for the intro and outro.